So good. That was Flashback by Imi Uwusu. Just here, sorry, just there. You're listening to The Hoist on Sin 90.7 FM with Beck and Sandy and a very special guest who's just joined us in the studio, the Afrodelic mogul. Imi Uwusu himself is here. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Beck and Sandy. Lovely so to be good. Here. Oh, Great, love Honestly, to hear our it. pleasure. Seriously, anytime. Yeah. Literally anytime. Um, <laughs> Flashback, which was that beautiful song we just played, is your most recently released single. It's a vibrant, highly produced track with loads of percussion. One of my favourite tracks of yours so far. Congratulations. How are you feeling about having it out? Feels so good. Um, like I've said to a few people, um, it was the first demo I ever made like years and years ago and it was sort of at a time where I didn't really know what I was doing with my life and it's like one of those things where you turn around and realise what you're meant to be doing and whenever you're ready to do that it's like right there for you Um, and I've done like three versions this is the third version of the song I've done and it's so it's so amazing so it's I'm so happy with the reception for it. It's cool. Beautiful. It's cool. What a revelation to have about such a stunning track as well. Yeah. Um, this one, it's got such an interesting blend of coastal rock, as does most of your song. Most of your songs do. Um, coastal rock and West African sounds. Totally unique, and I'm sure you hear that a lot as well. How would you describe your music in any words that you want? How would you describe it? Um... It's a yeah, it's sort of something I've been trying to do for a long time. Um to describe it. I kind of came up with like aphrodelic as a word because it's like um when I first started making uh music, I wanted to make like uh afro afro rock and I didn't really know what that looked like and then I started getting into zamrock, which is sort of like a Zambian this Zambian uh psychedelic rock movement in the 70s. Um like if you if you're into Sampa the Great, she just did a Zamrock song with this band called Witch um, that just came out, I mm, think, this so month. So good. And um, so I was really into Zamrock, but um, like my family heritage is Ghanaian. So um, I've started incorporating a lot of West African Ghanaian high life into my music. And Aphrodelic was sort of just like a, you know, it's it sort of encapsulates all those things. And um, especially coming from um, the surf coast, definitely there's a lot of like psych rock and grew up playing like psych psyche bands and big delays and things like that so um yeah aphrodelic kind of works for me people kind of get the idea of what you're trying to do well i hope i hope people do anyway yeah it's definitely Mm. coming through i think yeah but that uh term aphrodelic i did use it a little earlier i stole it from you uh because i was checking out (laughs) your spotify earlier today and you have this beautiful playlist full of aphrodelic music um can you talk me through some of your inspirations are they in that playlist yeah, for sure. Like I said, um, uh, Witch was a pretty early one. That was like one of the first ones bands I found because for years I, d- I didn't ever think like you know African music and sounds would go well with like you know rock music and things like that. Um, and so I really got into Witch. Um, Amanaz is another really good band that was really influential to me. And all these bands are sort of. Um, yeah, they're all, most of them are African-based bands. Like with Zamrock, for example, um, there was a law that got passed in Zambia when they were under dictatorship that um, the radio could had to play 98% local music, which is kind of cool. So if a dictatorship ever happens here, you know, you never know. Um, so, yeah, so all these uh, Zambians started making, because they were, like, importing all, like, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, and they started making their own 
versions of those and you know and their inflection sort of like bled into into the music um which i found really interesting because for me a lot of the music on that playlist is like you know rock and roll traces its origins back to africa through like the transatlantic slave trade and then it went to like america and then you know that getting imported back to africa it's this ultimate like cultural appre- uh, appreciation, if that makes sense. Mm. Not, not appropriation, but appreciation. And humans are so good at, um, you know, taking something and then making something new out of it, if that makes sense. So yeah. um, a lot of those songs on that playlist, I can't even remember what's on there at the moment, but a lot of those songs are sort of in that similar sort of vein of just like maybe a bit weird, maybe not everyone, what everyone's listening to, but um, yeah, I love the vibes that a little bit, Heavy, a bit rocky, a bit distorted, and uh, got some zany little synths in it, and some really buzzy guitar solos, and yeah, hmm. love all those tracks. That's really cool. I think something that you said earlier um, relates to this a little bit that struck me was what you talked about with having this revelation, um, and like realizing what it is that you're meant to be doing. And I think as adults, um, something that I've noticed is that when I'm really excited or passionate about something, it's usually something that I I already loved in childhood. And it's me reminding myself of something that used to be important to me that maybe was taught out of me or, um, yeah, you know, during school or whatever it is. Mm. Um, So with you talking about connecting with your roots as well, is that something that you find is becoming more and more important to you the older that you get? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I never thought I'd do music as a career, actually. Um, it was it was interesting even coming here to um, Sin Media because it's at RMIT and, you know, I was trying to get into RMIT back in the day to do... Um, I was doing, like, filmmaking and media because I never thought I could take music seriously. Um, you know, my grandfather's a musician, my father's a musician. My father from an early age was like, don't play music because, like, you know, there's no career in it, blah, blah, blah. you got to be... Like classic African father, gonna be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer, um, and but it was something that's always been there. Both my parents are performers. Um, my mum's a, a dancer as well and a choreographer, so um, it was always sort of there. And yeah, it's it's kind of hard when like you're you know it's you're it's a, you're absorbing it in your childhood, like you naturally sort of pick it up and it feels good. And I I think for me it's I never quite feel myself unless um playing music and sharing music and it feels good mm. it feels good when, whoever you are when you find that thing that kind of makes you a bit larger than life it's a nice feeling wow yeah. that is so wholesome <laughs> i love that and you were just talking about how you have a very musical family mm. in 2016 you actually traveled to ghana to study under your grandfather mm-hmm. who is a highly renowned ghanaian high life musician you delved into afro styles talk to me about that experience and what drove you to go back yeah, so that was sort of right at the start of when I decided to pursue music and, um, you know, I really wanted to go um, kind of, like, learn. I I'd, I was living in Ghana a little bit as a kid, but I wanted to go there as, like, as an adult, as I was at that point, and um, I'd just become an adult. And uh, I was really, like like I said, my, my grandfather, his name's Connie Moore, and he's a really well-trained and, um, like, well-respected. He's like the Bob Dylan of, like, West African music, if that makes sense, like a lot of poetic sort of stuff. And um, 
you know, he's like, he used to lecture at Harvard University in world music and... Um, Sounds like a legend, this guy. Yeah, he's, he's, he's like a chemistry professor. He's crazy. Jeez. It's so nuts. And, um, yeah, and I was really worried that he might pass away before I got there because he, he was like 86 at the time. Um, so I thought, oh, i got to go, got to go. So I, I ended up getting over there and, um, and, yeah, that was really fantastic, connecting with him and, you know, just like really learned and really wise. And one of those like old people that just has not stopped learning and he he still teaches and he still still gives to the community and whatnot. Um, and it's amazing, you know, when when you keep doing something, especially with those older people, like, you know, he's, he was just like still on it. So I learned so much um, being there. And I was actually meant to go over there to study um, drumming, traditional drumming, but the um, the queen mother of the Ashanti kingdom where my um, family's from in Ghana, um, she passed away. And so there, there's this law when someone passes away, like someone who's a, like a pro- prolific character, um, there's like a ban on music usually. So there was a ban on traditional drumming while I was there. So I was just learning um, guitar instead. Yeah. And that was great. It was really surprising and, and really, really cool. Once again, seeing like... Um, like how my grandfather's style was influenced so much by like like flamenco guitar and like blues guitar and all these other external influences and then remixed in an African style, in Ghanaian style. So it was an amazing experience. So special. Mm. And you've had some really cool experiences like that aside from the experience that you had with your grandfather because your mum used to put on house gigs, um, including one with Musa Diakite, mm-hmm. who is a famous Malian guitarist and gave you an impromptu guitar lesson, mm-hmm. um, inspiring the song that we just played, Flashback. Mm. What was going through your head at the time that you were getting this lesson? Um, that, and that was, yeah, that, that was uh, about a year earlier. And um, and that was actually what inspired me to go to Ghana. Um, yeah, he was doing a house concert um, with my family friend uh, uh, Lamin Lamin Sonko, who's also amazing. And um, yeah, it was like the the evening after or something. And we're just like chilling, playing some. Um, I don't even know what the scale is. My th- music theory is absolutely terrible. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was just like obsessed with this like. And then, and I just kind of kept playing it all the time. Um, and I was working at Torquay uh, Sailing Club at the time, like teaching people how to sail. So I was just like sitting on the beach just going, like playing this thing. You know when you get like something stuck in your head and you're just yeah. like. Um, so, yeah, just that one little scale was really changing to like life changing, like to the, the music I make in the the art that I make and um, yeah, it's incorporated into a lot of my style these days. So it was, yeah, it was really fun. I owe Musa a lot. I'm going to have to go see him because he lives up in Sydney. Um, oh, nice. I have to hit him up for another lesson, yeah. another life lesson. Soon. I think it's it's only right. Yeah. And with this single flashback, uh, you've released it just after couple more singles, Brown Supremacy and Mantra. And this is all working towards a body of work, which is your debut album, Low Life, which I like what you've done there, High Life and Low Life. Very funny. (laughs) (laughs) It's coming out mid-2023. What can we expect on the album? Well, um, yeah, Low low Life, it was sort of like it because it it feels... Because High Life can be pretty wild. Um, And so 
we thought, especially with the musicians that we got on board for it, a lot of them used to like a lot more kind of chill stuff. Like a lot of the vibe ended up becoming a bit more, it's still pretty crazy, but in terms of how high life goes, more relaxed. So we're like low life. <laughs> and then we're also sort of like high life, but it's made in, you know, we recorded in, in Melbourne. So it's like, it's not heat. It's like, you know, we recorded in the middle of winter. So it's, it was like that Melbourne weather. Um, so yeah, you can kind of expect a lot of similar, similar style to, yeah, flashback, um, live band. My our record label was kind of keen to get a full proper live band on board, uh, for this one. And, um, so a lot of cool synthy stuff, um, from, from Jethro again and, um, some crazy drums and yeah, more of a live feel than my previous singles. Super exciting. And speaking of live feels, you are actually playing some live shows all through April. Every Wednesday, you're doing a residency at the iconic Shot Kickers. You've had a couple of shows so far. One was yesterday and you've got a couple left to go. Uh, what can we look forward to at these shows? You said just before that you've got a full band for it. Yep. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Um, and fortunately, it's not the same band I had when I was recording the LP because those guys are busy being big famous people um but i've got it's really lovely i've got like my my dad's playing percussion um my cousin izzy is playing drums um my my girlfriend is singing in the band and um yeah so it's like this family sort of band <laughs> set up if that makes that's sense that's amazing it's really really cute um yeah some amazing performers uh playing and they're all amazing musicians as well so um definitely come down and enjoy that because it's fun Hey, you heard the man, but we are going to take a short break now. We're going to play Mantra by Imi Uwusu, and then Imi is going to spoil us with a couple of live acoustic tracks, so don't go anywhere. Stick around. This is The Hoist on Sin. <laughs> 